0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 243 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen with your host, Matt Payne. This week on the podcast, I was joined by Murray Livingston, a South African landscape photographer and freelance architect who actively practices a contemplative style of photography while living out of his off-grid man. On this week's episode, we discuss how Murray's study of architecture has influenced his approach to landscape photography, the roles that landscape photography and being in nature have in his life, the creative process, and so much more. Over on Patreon this week, we recorded a bonus episode for people that are kind enough to financially support the show over there. Murray and I discuss how landscape photography is a form of thought, And thanks to our newest patrons for supporting the show financially, including Craig McCord and Adam Clown. I really appreciate you. Okay, let's get to the show. All right, Murray Livingston, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Matt. Thanks very much for having me. Of course, um, I'm uh,
0: excited to have you here.
1: I I actually remember sending you a message a while back, back when I was uh, finishing off my degree in architecture. And I think I I listened to like 20 episodes in a row on on (laughs) just one of these nights where you had to work all the way through the night and I just had you on repeat. Um, So I just want to say first and foremost, like thanks for putting the show together. I think it's such a great resource uh, for photographers all over the world. Um, So yeah, just... Thanks. I'm so glad to be on the show.
0: Awesome. Yeah, not a, not a problem at all. And um, awesome to have you here. And, you know, for thanks for listening. 20 hours straight sounds kind of intense, but um, <laughs> I appreciate it. Nonetheless, for people that aren't familiar with you and your photography, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to um, get into this wild game we call photography.
1: Well, um, I'm a 26 year old uh, i'm south african but i've sort of lived a bit all over the place um i was born in the states actually um grew up a bit in in the uk uh back home in south africa and then a few years over in singapore actually um so huge mix um but then ended up coming over to the uk uh, to study at university um where i, I did two degrees up in edinburgh in scotland studying architecture. Wow. Um, so that, that's kind of like, uh, I don't want to say the day job, but uh, <laughs> photography has always been like a, a, a passion of mine, a hobby. Um, and, yeah, I picked up a 35mm film camera in school um, when I was like 13, I think, and there was a film photography class in high school. So I, I went and did that, and I think it just all, all started from there. Um, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Kept doing more courses, did a, a workshop or two, and then um, about halfway through university bought myself a, a digital camera and started to get a bit more serious about landscapes um, and nature photography.
0: What is it about uh, landscape and nature as opposed to street or portraiture or yeah. some other genre?
1: Well, I mean, I, I tried all sorts of stuff to start out with. Um, and. I think my roots in South Africa, we had always, you know, growing up very sort of outdoorsy lifestyle, Um, we'd spend at least, you know, a few weeks a year, go on safari. And I think that's always been there in my life. So um, it kind of made sort of sense to to bring photography to that part of my life, you know. Um, Sure.
0: It sounds like photography is not your full-time thing right now um is it is that true
1: uh it's uh, partly true i'd say i'm in the process of like trying to potentially make it something full-time okay Um, obviously i've just finished architecture school like a year ago year and a bit ago um and so it's been a mixture of freelance architecture work and uh also doing photography so nice uh, yeah yeah it's been interesting how that you you really have to sort of commit to it and spend a lot of time building things up, um, and yeah, it just takes takes a long time I think to to get there to where it might be full time.
0: It seems like uh, freelance architecture. And correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like that might be a pretty good career path in terms of being able to kind of do that on the side to supplement your income if photography's not working out. Because I'm guessing you could probably do architecture from anywhere.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so that is definitely one of the benefits and I don't know if I mentioned to you that I've got a a camper van. You did. Um, yeah. So that, that is part of the thinking is basically that I can spend at least, you know, like maybe three out of four weeks a month on the road and do some of my work, uh, wherever I happen to be. And obviously don't need to be working, uh, in the morning, super early, going out for photography walks or in the evening Um, you can get the work done in the day when maybe you're not even really wanting to make photographs anyway Uh, so they do kind of work well together Um, but yeah I would I would say at the moment photography is probably like more um, more passionate about photography
0: (laughs) that's fair that's fair you know the challenge of course with photography for most of us is figuring out how to make money doing it and you know for some people that's easier than others and well i think for almost everyone it's hard so yeah yeah. (laughs) Uh, what what are kind of what are your think what are you thinking in terms of how to monetize it um you know i'm
1: i'm trying out everything you know i recently did uh, an exhibition um i've you know tried to sell prints online um i did actually my first photography workshop with a client um, last last month, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm giving everything a go, and um, obviously there's the whole NFT explosion over the last summer, um, which I've I've held my <laughs> uh, I've held back on that. I've been watching closely, but I haven't uh, partaken. And yeah, so I think there's lots of different routes, and the one that seems uh, maybe the best route for me is probably. Uh, workshops i feel like i get the most out of that not just monetary value but also i I think i really enjoy teaching um so i think it's an added bonus
0: yeah we we uh i don't think we were planning on talking about this but since you brought it up i thought it might it might be a fun little conversation to have around workshops i have heard it's so interesting i've heard some people say and this is on the teaching side Mm-hmm. That, like, you should never make photographs while you're teaching. Like, you should never even have your camera out. You know, that it's, your focus should be 100% on your student. And then I've heard other people say, like, no, like, I actually purposely take photographs while I'm teaching workshops because A, that's how I'm going to get photographs. And B, yeah. my student learns by watching me engage in the process. So I'm curious. Uh, what is your approach to that, Ben?
1: I think I'm definitely more towards the latter uh, side of that, that argument or that uh, spectrum. Um, yeah, I mean, part of it is, like, people come to watch your pre- creative process. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about uh, teaching them, you know, or looking at the back of their camera and changing their composition for them or something. Um, them watching you and how you work a scene, where you place your tripod or your camera, how you stand, um, yeah, I think all of it is part part of the package. It's it's, uh, and I mean, if if they want to be more focused, then they can say, you know, do you mind coming and helping me with the camera or something? So sure.
0: I think it's just uh, I totally agree with you. I think it's just important that people know going into it what they're getting into, right? Yeah, for sure. I think that's the important thing. If someone is expecting you to you know be at their side the whole time and like tell you know whatever I think they just should know going into it that that's either something you are going to do or not Um, that's okay that's cool I was just curious I um, yeah (laughs) I've heard a lot of people passionately talk about how you should never make images while you're teaching and I personally like that's not how I learned Um, I learned by being with people who are better than me and watching them how they work and stuff like that so cool that'd be great (laughs) (laughs) right on well cool let's um let's shift back over into the architecture side of things for a minute because i think Mm -hmm. there's some interesting parallels there and i'd be curious to hear your thoughts on how the study of architecture has influenced your your approach to photography
1: yeah um i would say you know until maybe a year ago i didn't appreciate the link i think the link was there already but i wasn't cognizant that it was happening um and then i sort of realized it and i actually have spent sort of the better part of the last year analyzing that a bit um and in in architecture school at least the school i went to um there's this pedagogy where it was really focused on what they called research by design or sort Mm of research by making so you were really encouraged to go and Make loads of iterative drawings, make a a quick model of whatever your design was, and then make another one, and make another one, and make small changes and tweaks, and see where that led you. So, in terms of the translations of photography, I mean that's it's it's pretty easy and direct. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of walk up to a scene and try loads of different things. You know, um, now that, that can be quite difficult if you know, for instance, I sometimes I go out and shoot four by five film. I'm not going to go and I'm not going to shoot uh, loads of loads of sheets of film just to try things out. Um, but I'm, I'll am i set up a composition, step away for five minutes, and then come back to the camera, reassess, tweak a few things. So for me, I think photography has turned into quite an iterative process. Um, that's one side of it. The other side of it, I would say, is architecture comes down to like if d- drawings are 2d communications of a 3d thing, uh, whether that's a space or, um, technical details in the buildup of a wall or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so you really learn how to translate 3d space into something that's 2d and flat and, but still communicate that original 3d concept. Right. Um, so I think that's given me a good, and uh, yeah, it's, it's given me a way to think about space and photography, where you need to create depth in an image, um, how the light comes through scenes um, and being able to not predict, but imagine how a scene will look with light and how that'll translate from 3D to 2D. So, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of how I'm thinking about it right now, but obviously it's, it's a changing, uh, evolving thing for me.
0: Sure. Yeah, I have a good friend of mine from high school who went to school for architecture and engineering and I remember when we were in high school he used to do a lot of you know just pencil drawings of buildings and stuff like that and it was obvious to me that someone in architecture could have like a significant advantage over a layperson in terms of like understanding like what you're talking about the relationships the relationship mm-hmm. between objects and, and leading lines and yeah how how those things can interplay in a scene to create a three three three-dimensional feel out of a two-dimensional piece of paper so i can totally appreciate that
1: (laughs) so yes it's 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 tricky sometimes i mean and it's not that uh i wouldn't say it's it's super direct the link between the two things but i agree i mean it does give me some edge (laughs) or at least a different a different uh Things sometimes. Right,
0: right. Well, it sounds like uh, when you're out in the field, you're this is going to sound funny, but it sounds like you're kind of in your head a lot in terms of like uh, analyzing the scene and like really putting a lot of thought and careful analysis into your composition and things of that nature. And I'm curious if um, that's a really good way to talk about your creative process. Because I think for a lot of us, creativity is kind of like this immeasurable construct that we have a hard time defining. So I'm curious, how do you define creativity and, and what's your approach to it when you're in the field?
1: You know, I mean, creativity for me is probably just, uh, you know, trying, trying new things out. You get out into the field and maybe you haven't shot a particular scene low to the ground. So you try that out. And yeah, you're right. Sometimes I, I do get very deliberate and sort of consider all the elements and really pick apart a scene. And I think there is kind of a, um, at least at the moment in my photography, there's part of me that really wants to just use my intuition and part of me that wants to like <laughs> distill things and get really into it and think about it while I'm there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, in terms of creativity, um, I I would say it's tr- tricky for me as well. You know, I tend to focus on on the process of it and thinking about it in in steps of making the image and composition, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you say, how do I define it? It's a tough one, right? <laughs> it is. It is tough. I would say it's exactly what you said in your question. It's pretty immeasurable, and it's different for every single photographer as well.
0: Yeah it's almost like you know it when it's when it's happening right yeah because yeah. <laughs> i know there's a lot of times when i'm in the field where i'm not feeling very creative and i can just feel it you know i i you know the, yeah and you look at the the end result of your photo and it's like yeah it's fine but like there's not much else to it you know
1: yeah i think there's definitely that that happens quite a lot um that's probably maybe the majority of the time but then there's those times where you stumble into a scene or something happens that you weren't expecting. And it's almost like the landscape sort of compels you to make the image rather than you trying to force the image yourself. Right. Um, Like something greater than yourself. I don't know. I'm not necessarily like a spiritual or religious person. Sure. But, you know, something greater than yourself, like, makes the image for you. You just happen to maybe be in the right
0: place at the right time. (laughs) Right. And like I said, it's kind of one of those things like you, you know, when it's there and you know, when it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You capture that special, that one special moment, then, you know, you've, you've got something.
0: Yeah. What, what makes, uh, what makes a scene special in your mind in terms of when you're evaluating it and, and you're taking the image and you have kind of that realization that, that it's, that it's special. Like, how do you know?
1: I think part of it is coming back to that sort of analytical side where i like to know an area really well when i'm going to make photographs of it so for instance when i go and make images in south africa i've been going to this one area for sort of 10 plus years and so i know you know the geology the history the people the culture um the animals some of the plants although There's so much, uh, (laughs) so much flora and fauna that it's, you know, pretty impossible to learn everything. Um, So for me, it's when sort of a lot of those elements come together in an image um, and you're the image itself doesn't necessarily speak to the physical things in the photograph. It's actually more about like an idea or a concept beyond the photograph. So Again, going, coming back to the idea of the image as uh, a tool for communication, you know, what what do those particular mountains, or whether it's like a wildflower in the foreground, what what do those mean um, beyond beyond the image?
0: Beyond, oh, this would make a nice foreground.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's um, I think it's actually really important um to really have a deep understanding and curiosity of the places that we photograph and I've personally found that the more that I learn about a place or about the the plants that grow there or maybe the ecological processes of, of that place, for example, like here close to me in Colorado, like the more I learn about how that forest was created or why really. are those trees that way? I think it, you start to see things um, as a photographer that perhaps other people just don't see because they don't have that connection and knowledge yeah. base about that place.
1: That, that's one of the great things about photography for me is like, it almost forces you to spend a lot of time in these places that you go to visit, or at least, I don't know, maybe the way we, we practice photography for some people, you might not spend a lot of time in these places, but when you do go and spend, you know, a few days backpacking somewhere, camping out, or just revisiting locations, you do build up this this knowledge um, and a, an intimate connection somewhere.
0: Have you noticed that the converse is true? Like, if you're in a place that you've never photographed before, that you know nothing about, yeah. do, you, do you feel like that is a hindrance to your creative process?
1: I would say so, yeah. I, when I arrived at a new place, I need like a week there before i can make anything decent oh wow yeah (laughs) um i don't don't know that's just i don't know if it's you get a bit psyched out and you're like in your head about oh the conditions aren't right or maybe this would look better in the morning or in the afternoon or um but yeah i mean even i was on a recent trip up in scotland uh and i went down this one glen and I literally couldn't see an image anywhere for like three days. I was struggling, struggling. Um, and then super bad weather came in. I spent like a day just in the van. <laughs> I was like, no, not going to go out today. Just take a little bit of a, a step back and then come back to it with fresh eyes. Um, and that turned out to be the best thing for, the, for that particular trip. I went out the next morning and I think I made like eight keepers. Wow. In a space of two hours, was, yeah, <laughs> and it, I think it was actually like the first three days of struggling to get to grips with this new location. That then, when I finally had my
0: head in the right space,
1: I was able to to put all those things together.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting how our psychological condition in the in a given moment, or kind of what our mood is, or um, all these different variables that impact our ability to 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 see and be creative yeah 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 I've noticed um I've noticed for myself um if I execute a photograph like really well like if there's amazing conditions and you know like it's a really exciting moment I find getting back into creativity after that is hard because I'm like oh i got a good photo. I'm good. I feel good. I'm, I'm yeah. whereas like, I kind of find myself, um, hunting more when it's not as obvious, you know, when it's not as in your face good. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, you just give you find yourself
1: s- like getting on a roll.
0: Yeah. It's, um, if it's That's... really, really good, then I'm like, I, maybe it's motivation. Like I'm like, Oh, I'm, I feel like I'm good. I got a yeah. good photo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. No. Yeah, it does. It does. Um,
1: Sometimes when you get one that you're like, you know, nothing's going to top that.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. You're like, "Mm, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean,
1: there's a good part to that as well, because then you can sit back and just enjoy your time out and appreciate it without having to think about photography. For sure.
0: Yeah. And I was going to say, too, I kind of have the opposite experience when I'm in a new place that I've never been to before. I, I find that to be incredibly... Rewarding for creativity for myself because I'm so curious and interested to to explore and to to really just find things that that are interesting to me. But I can also see how if it's a completely new mm-hmm. type of place, then it could be really paralyzing as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say where I was just because I don't, I don't like to disclose locations and all that. Um, but sure. the the location that I was at was somewhere where there's sort of one vantage point that everyone's shot from. Uh So I think like day day two, I was like, all right, I've got to go up and just see from there. Like I knew I wasn't going to try and make an image there. Um, But maybe it was that as well, where I was thinking, uh, there's probably, you know, 2000 photographs or whatever from this location, like psych yourself out a bit.
0: Yeah, I could see that. I think that's one of the reasons why i try to avoid those types of places because i think you because you've seen that image so many times yeah. that it kind of for me anyway like imprints this impression into your mind about what to expect and then of course 99 percent of the time it's not what you expect <laughs> you know
1: exactly right exactly right i probably did have some expectations going into that um but it, i think it turned out that the view from that particular point wasn't actually the best view <laughs> gotcha. so it was just sort of the most accessible um, and yeah i mean it ter- turned out for the best in the end i think so
0: sure well let's talk a little bit more deeper or more deeply i should say about creativity how do you know what to put your focus into is it the process is it the end results is it the experience of being out there like what's your what's your approach to that
1: i would say that the experience for me is very very important uh first of all so i would probably prioritize the experience over making an image um and for me the experience is obviously getting getting out into nature and feeling that connection um with whatever it is the elements animals uh plants and um second to that would be creative process um i think it for me it it trumps end results i think if you've got a solid creative process that's founded in good ideas you've done your research um you've got good aesthetic values you know you're you're building uh strong images and they mean something if you're creating meaningful work then your end result will come with that. Um,
0: what do you What do you think the relationship is between the experience that you're having in nature, and the um, the process?
1: Struggle to put that into words off the top of my head, but I'll I'll give it a shot.
0: <laughs> I mean, maybe um, a different way of asking the question would be: Do you find that um, the process is easier if? the experience is memorable or enjoyable, or do you find the process more difficult if it, if it's not, if it's not.
1: So I would say to that, that I wouldn't necessarily, the experience doesn't have to be enjoyable for me. Mm -hmm. I don't think that an experience necessarily has to be a good experience for you to then come out and make a really good image. Sometimes, you know, Really slogging it up a mountain through snow and rain and whatever and super harsh wind. The experience of being like battered by the elements then gets you into the right mindset to make an image that's maybe moody and grungy, um, and incorporates that experience into the visuals. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the experience can be good or bad. It's just, I think if you're able to translate that into, your image, then it's probably a bit more, you know, you come away with a more successful image in the end.
0: Sure. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. I've had conversations with some photographers who, um, say that if they're not comfortable, like if they had to work really hard to get to a location or, you know, Mm -hmm. like maybe they have an upset stomach, whatever it is, um, that it's almost impossible for them to make a good photo. Whereas, I am kind of leaning towards your camp like the those kind of um I don't know soul building experiences sometimes can really uh create uh I don't know what's the right way of saying this it it can create a space for us where creativity is actually increased yeah yeah
1: I mean, there's probably a line though as well, like where you're just oh, so for sinister. sure.
0: <laughs> but if you're so tired that you can't even like get out of your tent because your yeah, legs are so yeah. sore, probably, probably not going to yeah, be okay. a good ex- good idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've definitely made that mistake once or twice. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's like I think uh, I went up this mountain in South Africa, carried my four by five up there. And by the time I got to the top, I was just like, absolutely bastard and i exposed i double exposed two sheets and then didn't expose the other two so basically went up there and everything i took with me was ruined and i came away with nothing
0: <laughs> oh that's the worst well i've i've definitely i mean i don't have the same excuse in terms of film but i've definitely put a lot of work into getting to a place and then either you know the conditions were totally terrible because of smoke or something or yeah or like i remember one scene i photographed that this amazing sunset happened but it was out of focus <laughs> which is oh, just no. so embarrassing you know it's oh, like, no. how, how many times have you used this camera dude like come on <laughs> but it happens you know like especially no. when, you're, when you're tired or or like the combination of being tired and being just so excited because of what's happening in front of you it's like yeah it creates a lot of potential for a mistake <laughs> but
1: i mean i think that's why it's important to place the experience first over results because if you're only about results then you're going to be disappointed a lot
0: yeah um, well said i uh, <laughs> that, was, that was my experience i mean i think probably man 20 like 2013 14 and 15 i was obsessed with results and obsessed Mm -hmm. with like these photographs that were i had seen other people make and i'm like oh i need to make photos like that Mm -hmm. um and of course i didn't (laughs) because you know (laughs) nature does its thing and and um and yeah i was like i was ready to quit photography i was like this is not fun at all but then I had a few experiences where I decoupled my expectation of, of the end result from the mm-hmm. experience and put more emphasis on the experience. And, man, it's so much more fun. And also it's a spark for creativity because you don't have that baggage of expectation that you're carrying around with you, you know? Yeah.
1: And, I mean, I, I'd also add to that that um, going out and making really bad images is probably a good thing you know it's going to lead you down the path towards something that you're eventually really happy with um you know you're not going to just go out and all of a sudden make you know the image of your life that's just not how it works you've got to put in the work and go and really spend a lot of time doing this thing photography and eventually you might get there
0: (laughs) yeah and not to uh not to bring the topic up again on this podcast, but I feel like if your mindset is to kind of chase those scenes that you've seen everyone else make and expect that you're gonna have the capability or experience to make the same image that you saw, it unless you have exceptional luck, it's just not gonna happen. you know and I, I feel like for a lot of people that's gonna become a huge letdown. So that's why I always encourage people to to just seek out things that interest them. I mean, of course, if that's the type of scene that interests you, that's cool. Just know that it's probably not going to look the way you think it will. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah, well said. Well said.
0: Yeah. And maybe other people just have a much higher tolerance for failing on their personal expectations of of something. But I'm one of those people that like if I put my mind in my effort into something, I kind of expect results, right? Right, right. And and that's just the way I'm wired. But maybe if you're not that way, then it's no big deal. <laughs> I don't know. I mean I would I would just say like if you if you are like that, just
1: be like a little bit more self critical in a in a way. I don't I don't want to say that in the sort of negative sense to get yourself down, but more just in a way of like, okay, like this didn't turn out exactly how I thought. How can I do it better next time? Right. And I think that comes back. That goes back to the sort of iterative process that I was talking about of how can you just take it one photograph at a time and improve each time you make a new image.
0: Right. Have you had the experience of uh, your quality of your images goes down over time? Like, have you had that experience?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I would say I'm trying to think of um, sort of periods of ebb and flow Mm -hmm. I think there was probably maybe like six months between two different projects that I was starting to work on where I got into a good flow with one project Mm -hmm. and then uh came back and it was sort of middle of COVID lockdown all that sort of stuff and I think I didn't make an image for like five months so I mean I don't know not making photography (laughs) I guess that counts as uh Bad images as well. But.
0: Oh, absolutely. I after,
1: after that huge sort of hiatus, it definitely was a struggle getting back into it for, for a little while. Um, and it was, yeah, again, just that process of like, you got to get out there, spend the time, force yourself to try and make images, even if, you know, they are really, really bad, which some of them definitely were. <laughs> but then you get the one the one image you know that's like oh that's interesting let's explore that a bit more
0: I personally have put some thought into this because I've had it happen to me many times over the years and I think when it happens to me it's usually after I have like a really fantastic experience Mm -hmm. like of creating an image that's just amazing like exceeds all expectation in your mind and I think everything else after that for a little while is kind of blunted you know, it's like, yeah, it's okay. And then I think you, um, well, I think me, I am just less curious because I'm like, yeah, it's not as good as it was that one day. And I need time in between yeah. sessions to kind of reset that that jubilation. I guess I need I need in, that time.
1: In you, in your own creative process, do you work in sort of projects, or are you going after single images, or how how do you work or in that way?
0: Yeah, I wish I I had more intention. I mean, I I will say that over the last decade, I've been kind of working on a specific project every time, not every time, but most of the times that I'm going out into the mountains, which is to like capture very specific moments of time um, in or from the tops of mountains. Yeah. um, Which is a fairly literal project. It's not like trying to piece together some idea of like, you know, decay and growth or something like that. It's Mm -hmm, not as mm -hmm. um, abstract as that. Um, So I think for me, most of the time, my creative process is, is centered around curiosity. Um, I find that the, when I make the best images, it's because I'm truly curious about the place that I'm in or the, the types of um, the environment that i'm finding myself in and figuring out how to translate that curiosity into a photograph
1: right so so it's not about like or there's not anything where you're thinking okay how is this going to fit in with other photographs in the portfolio or something
0: yeah i almost never i i was working for a while and i'm i still do this but i i was working for a while on a project of like Forest floors, like what does it look like on the forest floor, kind of a thing? Yeah. But that starts to get super repetitive and harder. I find it harder and harder to find images that are exceptional um, when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, yeah, no, it's, uh, I wish I had more ideas of projects and things like that, but it's just not the way that I've been focusing my attention, although it probably would be wise to try to. What about for you?
1: Well, I, don't, I don't know. I guess everyone works slightly differently. um if you know, if if going on, if focusing on like one image is working clearly it is because you've got some amazing uh, photography. Then oh, thank you. Keep going with that, right?
0: What about um, for you though? Like, what are, are you focused on? Um, projects or are you just trying to make images that are compelling?
1: I would say at the moment I'm focused more on projects. Okay. Um, there was probably a time earlier a few years ago where I was more focused on single image. Um, and I felt like, I guess I felt a bit similar to you where like you make the image and then you don't know what to do next.
0: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: And I, for me, I feel like working in a project, it gives you a bit more, uh, like it gives you more boundaries to work with them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if one, if you go and make an image of one thing, you can then think, okay, I'll shift gears and work on, on. For instance, at the moment, I'm working on uh, also mountains projects up in Scotland. And uh, well, sorry, I'll start that again. I've got two projects I'm working on up in Scotland. Uh, one is pretty much uh, similar to yours. It's views from mountaintops. And then the other one is a bit more uh, in-depth and uh, the word you used, abstract, uh, all about water and how geological formations have been formed through Hmm. whether it was ice sheets, carving landscapes or whatever that is. So bouncing between the two projects, I've found that like whatever my mood is or the conditions, I can go to woodland and make photographs of a waterfall. And then the next day, if I'm not feeling like that, I can go and hike up a Monroe and take photographs. And I still feel like I'm being uh productive (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. no that's good I because I you know the way I approach photography most recently last couple years is I like to go out for like you know seven eight nine ten days at a time and just really immerse myself in a place but there are definitely days where I'm not motivated you know like yeah I think I'm good today like I'm just gonna drink beer and eat some chips and salsa or something like that but I feel like if I had more of that kind of Focused direction, I would have more intention. I feel like there's a some pros and cons to that, though, right? Because I I could see how if you have that focuses in, on a project or several projects, where it would give you something to work towards, and 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 you're seeing those things, and you're in the field, like you're noticing things that might fit into that. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering if there's a downside where you might be skipping things that are of interest to you that don't fit into those categories.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess that's, you've got to give yourself the, the freedom to explore new ideas beyond the, whatever the projects are that you're working on. I mean, I, I definitely, for myself, I wouldn't ignore something if it caught my attention. Sure. That's, that's probably the priority is like if something catches my attention and I think it'll make a good photograph, I'll try and make the photograph regardless of whether it's going to fit into a project or not if it happens to then fit into a project then great uh but yeah that that's not necessarily the priority but it, it just gives you some loose framework to work within. i think
0: the other thing about working in projects that scares me a little bit is curation and knowing when you're done like mm-hmm. and maybe there is no end point in sight but I, if i'm working on a project i like to feel like that there's an insight, there's like an end game, you know, like I need 27 photos of this subject or whatever. Yeah. And I, I'm i wondering if you have that in mind or if you're just focusing on that idea until you feel like you have a strong enough body of work to put together, like what is your thought process there? Well, not having finished
1: a complete project yet, I mean, I'm, you know, quite young, 26, right? So I'm sure. still working through this myself. Um, it was interesting putting on uh, a little exhibition of a current project that I'm working on that isn't finished. So I sort of forced myself to do that and it was 12 images. So that's a pretty small body of work, but I think you realize, okay, there are certain aspects of this project that I could expand on. Um, there are bits where it's lacking, uh, or, you know, one particular image, was really really strong and that worked and I got good feedback on that. Um, so I don't know if there's a there's a good answer to when you know a project is finished. Um, I guess it's just a, it's the same thing as when you know you've made a really good image. Sure. You, you'll know when you get there.
0: <laughs> I like what you said though. You know, going through the process of preparing your work for that exhibition, I'm I'm wondering kind of what were some of your takeaways in preparing for that exhibition in terms of it helping you see gaps in your project or mm-hmm. helping you see kind of what's working and not working what, what what were some of your takeaways there
1: well definitely just in the in the printing process and the presentation process um there was a, a pretty steep learning curve uh in at least in in architecture school we're doing some pretty big prints but it's not quite the same where you've got to you know you don't have to frame and mount things but it's typically expected uh and just the physical handling of like 50 inch prints and trying to manage i was trying to basically manage this all myself um was yeah really really difficult so from a a logistic point of view that's one thing Uh, but in terms of the project itself uh i would say There were two images that i printed really really big and that worked really well as uh, a way to draw viewers in and that would sort of capture the attention of people and then i paired it with a lot of uh eight by ten prints and smaller work and i think that worked to you know you draw someone in and then they think oh this is interesting i'll go and look at all the other photographs and then they get to spend a bit more time with the smaller, intimate scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that was successful in terms of where I think it could expand. Um, so for, for everyone listening, the project's called Mythic Waters. So it's, it's about uh, myths and, or certain mystic waters, uh, but about myths and old uh, stories told about water in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I could work that theme a little bit harder and go to certain locations where there are images I know that I can make, but I, I just haven't had the time to go and make them yet. So that the breadth of the project, basically, because it was only 12 images, I feel like the breadth of the project was definitely lacking.
0: But to going through the exhibition kind of helped you realize that, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, 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 definitely.
0: Tell I'd love to hear you tell us a little bit about how printing your work helped you think about how you approach your work differently in the field or you know my experience has been printing is kind of a it can be very humbling (laughs) you know like you you know especially if you're printing it big you start to notice all the little things that you didn't quite pick out uh when you were editing and things like that what was your experience there
1: um I mean, also also humbling, but also extremely gratifying. Yes. Uh, seeing, I think it gives you an appreciation when you've got this body of work and you see everything up on the wall. It's like, okay, yeah, this is actually kind of something pretty cool. Yeah. When you're just looking at single images on the screen, you don't have that appreciation of the sort of the body of work as a whole. Right. So I, I think printing is one of the only ways to really experience that
0: yeah yeah uh do you also use printing to you know look at your work from a more objective perspective in terms of whether or not it'll work as a photograph or does it help you in that regard
1: yeah definitely i i would say there were half a dozen photographs that i printed and then realized that i, I actually i don't like these hmm. and they don't <laughs> they don't work in the project or uh-huh. maybe there was a there was probably one or two that i did like but they just didn't work in the project. Um, definitely objectively, it, it helps you to be objective because you can you know, flip it upside down, look at it in a whole different a bunch of ways, print it on different paper stocks. Um, I've got a little printer at home that I sort of play around with. Um, but yeah, definitely super helpful to assess images and see whether they're successful or not.
0: Right. Yeah, cool. How did you come up with your project idea? Um, for the m- mystic waters?
1: Mid- yeah, mystic waters. Yeah. Um, so there's a there's a place in South Africa that uh, I absolutely love. It's probably my favorite place in South Africa uh, called the Cedarburg. Um, it's this sort of collection of sandstone and very arid uh, sandstone formations, super arid. There's like two really small rivers that run through it. So there's this really cool contrast between uh, the absolutely barren desertous landscape and then life sort of sprouting from uh, the rivers. And then there's also this whole history uh, with the people that used to live there so thousands and thousands of years ago. Um, and there's uh, old rock art on oh, some cool. of the different formations. Uh, so you can actually go and like read sort of uh, studies that have been done about the different characters that they were drawing, and oh. so hence all the, the myths. So it, it came about as uh, an understanding of the culture that used to live in this landscape.
0: So it's like an exploration of two ideas at the same time, almost like the contrast between the stark desert and water and how the water helped carve it. But then also the stories that are embedded within those rock told by the people who used to live there. Exactly. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. How, how was yeah. it received by your audience? Uh,
1: I, got, I got some really good feedback. Yeah. Um, there, there were a few people that came through that I was like, oh, wow, cool. I, d- I didn't realize they were going to come and have a look. Uh, so I was yeah really chuffed with that and first exhibition. So it went very well overall. <laughs> overall, a good experience to have done that.
0: Awesome. Uh, maybe this is a good segue to ask a different kind of question. I'd be curious to hear you talk a little bit about what role outside influences, such as art, history, and design, and poetry, play into your um, photographic process.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I would definitely say that these all have a role to play, um, and in addition to a lot of other things. So having, I mean, having studied architecture. Um, we had quite a broad syllabus so for instance one course I took uh, was all about reading um, philosophy behind design and aesthetics and so that was uh, one influence we read uh, a lot of phenomenology I don't know how first you are in uh, philosophy and things like that (laughs) Uh,
0: well I did study philosophy in college and I enjoyed it Um, but I would say that it's not something that I spend a lot of time in currently.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I I bounce back and forth between a few different things, so I'm not not claiming to be an expert in anything, but definitely uh, a few a few readings that influence me. Um, and recently, I've been getting into sort of some of the Zen readings mm. uh, and thinking of sort of photography as like a ritual or a ceremony, mm. um, and increasingly more so actually the walking and hiking that you got to do beforehand and how maybe that that's got a role to play in the photographs that you then make afterwards um that that's one one good example another i would say is probably film which wasn't in your list but a lot of uh directors i think really influenced me um one example would be akira kurosawa who's a Japanese filmmaker, um, Seven Samurai, Rashomon, probably some uh, popular things that people have heard of. And just the way that he like moved the the camera around or moved subjects in the scene uh, or used weather as movement. He was a big proponent of using multiple types of movement to create a visually appealing uh, image. And I mean there's a whole whole list of other directors that I would say influence me um, and I would just I would add to that that the, the outside influences um, I think it's good to just have external sources rather than just looking at photographs mm-hmm. sometimes that can be quite insular and a lot of people get sort of hive mind and you're all thinking similar things mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you throw in like, I don't know, whatever it is, Zen philosophy. And it, it, it's just a curveball to help create, uh, help you think in a different way.
0: Hmm. I'd be curious for you to reflect and discuss on um, some specific examples of how that outside influence has translated into making your photograph something different or unique or personal.
1: I would say that there's probably one image of mine from a hike I did in Wales uh where I I looked off the edge of the mountain and there was a shadow being cast and I think at the mo- at that particular moment in time I was reading in Praise of Shadows which is um in a, a sort of philosophical uh book on Japanese aesthetics so I was that was something that I was really thinking about was shadows and how there's beauty in shadows uh, and how different sorts of light can create different amounts of, you know, details in those shadows, whether it's uh, reflected light or uh, early morning. Yeah, I think I wouldn't have seen that image if I hadn't been reading the book at the time.
0: (laughs) Right. No, that's that's a perfect example of that. I appreciate you thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a, it's a good recommendation. I think a lot of times people get really obsessed with studying other people's photography, which I think can be a good exercise. Yeah. Um, But to your point, I think what can happen is everything becomes kind of homogenized. Like everything starts to kind of look the same. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think to your point, that's, that doesn't, I mean, that's not, that doesn't make for super good photography in my opinion.
1: Yeah, would, I mean it's cool when everyone's creating new stuff. So it, if if you go out and you know don't just look at landscape photography, look at all types of photography. Even that's like a good way to bring in outside influence. If you go and look at street photography or fashion photography or something, that might be more approachable than philosophy. <laughs> uh, but I think it'll it'll bring with it new ideas.
0: Right, I know a lot of. Kind of influential landscape photographers have talked a lot about studying you know the Hudson School painters and things like that, where they have these yeah. super grandiose mountain scenes with insane light. and I think you can see that influence on a lot of the contemporary landscape photographers that have emerged, especially out of the west coast of the United States. Um, but I appreciate some more of the philosophical influences like you can see that a lot. In like Guy Tao's work or mm-hmm. um, other people, so I, I think I think it is important to study other art forms for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's I, I would say it's not just, uh, or I'd say that there's a lot of examples of that. I mean, you look at uh, the work of like David Brookover, going back to Japan again, um, yeah. or Bruce Percy or any of those guys, where it's they've taken a, a certain aesthetic and translated it into the media of photography. I would say photography is just a tool, right? It's a media choice. Um, and there's nuance within that, obviously, film, digital, etc., black and white color. Um, and it's just a figuring out the right way to use it to communicate whatever it is you're trying to uh, tell your audience.
0: Do you find for yourself that what you're trying to tell your audience shifts over time, or is there a consistent thread?
1: I mean, a consistent thread would definitely just be like Appreciation and love of nature at a, at a very sort of base concept level, um, and then within each project that I'm working on, there's there's those nuances of like culture or ecology or geology. Um, but yeah, on, on a, at a base level, it's it's the love for nature, and I, w- I wouldn't say I'm so far down the path of like conservation photography. I don't know, maybe straddling. <laughs> straddling the boundary on on conservation photography. I'm a big proponent of that, um, but I haven't quite worked that into uh, the photographs themselves explicitly
0: mm-hmm. anyway. Awesome. All right, Murray. So I'd love to hear about who you would recommend our listeners learn more about or that we would potentially get as guests here on the podcast.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I would recommend... Uh, so I've got five guys. Um, one is Mike Bowden. He's, uh, in the Sierra Nevadas, works a lot on large format and film and, uh, yeah, overall great guy and really, really beautiful imagery. And he's also been working on large format, pinhole photography. Okay. Which just blows my mind. Uh, (laughs) another guy is Adrian Zawanski, which butcher his last name. Um, He's up in the Pacific Northwest, also film, um, but it makes a mix of black and white color. And yeah, really beautiful, it's sort of ethereal, um, subtle landscape work. Um, Brendan Holt is another one. Uh, he doesn't photograph that much at the moment. I think he's in one of those lulls, just like uh, we were talking about earlier. But he's uh, really, really well read. I've had loads of interesting conversations with him about philosophy. Mm. and the link between philosophy and image making. Awesome. Um, uh, fourth one is Andrew Baruffi. Um I think he's involved in park services over in the States and writes some really, really beautiful captions along with his images. Um, well worth a read if you go and check his work out. And then last one is a guy called Yasin Todorov. And... Uh, aerial photography isn't something I'm usually keen on, but for whatever reason, his work, uh, a lot of it he does flying his own plane. Uh, yeah, really, really uh, beautiful to me.
0: Brilliant. I love it. All right, flies his own plane and then takes pictures while he's flying. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if you get good enough at flying, it would become second nature, and then the camera is just like, oh, look at that.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't do it. Definitely. Definitely not.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Murray. This has been really fun. And I appreciate the, the time we've set aside to, to have this chat.
1: Yeah, likewise. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Well, thanks to Murray for joining me on the podcast this week. And keep up the great work with your project-based approach. I sincerely wish you the best of luck in making this a full-time pursuit. Well, I'm sure folks are tired of me talking about it, but I do need your help. I try to keep this podcast as ad-free as possible and count on listeners to participate in the value-for-value model. Instead of telling you about how you should buy stamps from postagebangers.com or a new mattress from 1-800-MATTRESS-BROS, I depend on you to give me some of your money, whatever you think is fair. And I know, it's super awkward talking about money, But I do think if you have value in this podcast, then it's not too much to ask for $5 a month to help keep it going. We've seen a 40% increase in listeners since 2021 started, but a 30% decrease in listener support. I know I'm not perfect, and sometimes you don't enjoy a particular episode or rubs you the wrong way, but I do try to listen to your feedback, especially to those of you that support the show. So what do you say? Can you help me out? just hit the pause button, head over to patreon.com forward slash and listen, that's all one word, and help us out. Oh, and for those of you that signed up in the last six months, stickers and more are on the way. Thank you so much for your generosity. Have a killer holiday season and good light to you. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week.